Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee and let's awaken our hearts together. I, I came across this really, really powerful scripture the other day, and I think it'd be a great topic for our conversation today. It was in Jeremiah. I'm reading through Jeremiah right now, and um, Jeremiah 17, verses 9, and it said this. It said, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Wow. I, I, as I read it, I was just thinking about all the parts of this. The heart is deceitful. I was thinking about deceit, just, just deception in and of itself. Deception in and of itself is something we're not even aware of. Like deception, I, I pray often, Lord, it, where I'm deceived, show me where I'm deceived. Because we don't even know yes. where we're deceived. We don't even know because we're deceived. Mm-hmm. And we see, like, I know I know, you and I have talked about this a lot, but we see a lot of deception in the world today. Yes. Like people are being deceived to believe that this way or that way is the way to get what they want, to the way to get what they need, the way to get their message out, the way to whatever sort of freedom that they're looking for. But when you stand back and look, you're like, you're being deceived because in it, in this great, um, you know, what seems like this righteous cause, you're being robbed of joy, you're being robbed of peace, you're being robbed of life in the midst of it, all for the sake of what? Like, there's such a deception when you, you know, look from the outside looking in and go like, okay, this is not, I don't think this is from God. This Mm -hmm. doesn't have the fruit of godliness attached to it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The heart is sort of a metaphor for our emotions and our will. And so we even in the world, we use this expression like follow your heart, like just follow your heart. What is your heart telling you? And we, we kind of buy into that. We Mm -hmm. kind of buy into this, Mm -hmm. like, I'm really feeling like I'm supposed to do this. And we trust this place of our emotions. I don't know if we're supposed to trust our emotions. Like, I, I think our emotions are true, small t, true. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if our emotions always lead us to truth. In fact, I shouldn't say I don't know. I know they don't. <laughs> they don't always lead us to capital T truth. Do you know what I mean? If yes. I just followed what I felt in a moment, what I felt from the way someone treats me, if I felt the way a certain situation ended up, mm-hmm. the way I felt after somebody gave me some some really helpful feedback. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes, if I just yes. trust my feelings, ooh, I would be entering into a whole lot of fleshly, <laughs> uh, yes. like, you yes. know what I mean? Yeah. So deceit and then and then, um, yeah, like that deceitful place and then our feelings, like trusting our feelings. I think those were two things that just popped out at me. But then even to say it's desperately sick, 
it's desperately sick. Like it has a disease, an incurable disease. Like our hearts are diseased and ill. They're not well. How can we trust them? How can we trust them? So many people have followed their heart and it has led them into great pain. (laughs) Great pain. And you know, so anyways, yeah, those are a couple of the thoughts I had. But as I was reading, I was just like, Lord, how? How do we know when we're deceived? Lord, open our eyes, open our eyes to see when that deception is blinding us Mm -hmm. and help us not to trust our heart and trust our feelings, trust the feeling place. Yes, feel the feelings. I think we need to feel the feelings. Mm -hmm. I think we need to acknowledge the feelings. I think we need to be honest about the feelings, but I don't think that the feelings can define how we're supposed to walk out everything or what we're supposed to do or that we put a capital T, like my capital T truth is my experience. Well, I I don't know. I don't know if that's trustworthy. I, I don't think that's trustworthy because you it's know? telling us it's not. The Bible's actually telling us that your heart is not trustworthy. The heart is deceitfully wicked. It's deceitful. So the heart's going to lead you astray. So when we think like, this is my capital truth, my experience is my truth. God is telling us right here. And actually the title of this chapter is called the wisdom from the Lord. Okay. So God's wisdom to you is your heart's going to lead you astray. It's deceitful. Don't trust it. Be honest with it, but align it to me, align it to me. And greatest, greatest strength comes from restraint. That's the opposite of the world though. That's the opposite message today. It's like, you need to just get, just go with it. What do your feelings say it out loud? Be bold, like with, like go for it. No, God's saying you need to surrender that to me mm-hmm. because you don't even know if that's right or wrong. And you need to have restraint and come to me and wait on me. And align your feelings with my word. Exactly. Align. So I can examine it. I will examine it and I will tell you what's right or wrong. And I'll tell you what to do. And I love what it goes on to say. It says, because I, I love how it says in your version. What does it say again? In I, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. So I, so, so it is giving us the answer. It says, so the Lord will search our heart and test our mind. I love the connection even between mm-hmm. the mind and how we're thinking about what we're feeling, mm-hmm. right? So there's mm-hmm. a connection there. I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind. And <laughs> this is kind of scary. I think this is actually kind of a scary line. Two, I do this to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. I I feel like the Lord is actually saying in this, I am going to give you over to exactly your ways and the fruit of your deeds. So your ways, what you're thinking, your choices, what you're doing, I'm going to give you over to that. I'm going to give you exactly what you want. That's kind of scary. Yeah, you're going to eat your fruit. You're going to eat your fruit. You're going to eat your fruit. If it's rotten, you're eating it. And, and I'm going to give you over to it. Like yeah. if that's what you want, if that's what you want, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you to that. I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to give that to you. Because again, right? We keep referring to, I've given you the choice. Choose this day. Mm. I have given you the choice. So he's saying here, like, I'm going to search your heart. I'm going to test your mind, but then I'm going to give you what you want. Mm. I'm going to give you what you want. Wow. That is, that's an incredible statement. And this is coming right from the word of God. This is not coming from us just bringing a little lesson today. This is what God is telling us. Like take heed, like listen, listen up. There was ever a time to listen. Now is a time to listen. 
Listen to what God is saying. Drown out the voices around you and listen to what the word of God is saying. Your heart is wicked. It's deceitful. And if you don't listen to God, he's going to give you over. He's going to give it over to what you want. And you're going to eat that bowl of fruit, whether it's rotten. And guess what? If you start keep eating rotten fruit, you're going to develop an appetite for rotten fruit. And you won't even know what good fruit tastes like anymore because you've just been eating rotten fruit. You will actually develop an appetite. That's what this all evolves to. It does. And and the very deception makes you think that that's satisfying you, that yeah. that's what you want. The deception itself makes you believe that you're getting what you want. Yeah. But you will realize you're not at some point because you'll keep going back. You'll keep looking. It won't satisfy. But initially and in the moment, it feels like it does because it feels good to our flesh. It feels good to a part of us mm-hmm. when we give into that. But mm-hmm. I, I do. I think that's a really intense thing to say that wow. the Lord will give us over according to our ways, according to what we want. He's going to, he's going to give that, that to us. Like, and, and that's also the beauty of God. Like he does give us free will. He doesn't de- demand or command or force or rule he he gives us over and he says i want you to come to me willingly like i want you to willingly surrender Mm -hmm. the truest place of your feelings and your heart before me i want you to allow me to test your heart i want you to allow me to show you the truth but i'm not going to force it on you i'm not going to force it on you i mean he gave us his word he told Mm -hmm. us Mm -hmm. it's there Mm -hmm. but he's not going to force it and he said okay Mm -hmm. if that's what you want i'm going to give that to you I'm going to give you over to your ways and you will eat the fruit <laughs> of your deeds. That's it. And the beautiful thing is in the midst of it all, even if we have chosen rotten fruit and we've been living a certain way at any point, we can start fresh. We can start fresh and come and repent any point. But there is a warning that you will be given, that you will reap what you sow. You will, you will. It's a principle. You hear it like it's anywhere in the world, but it comes from the scriptures. You will reap what you sow. And so that's what's going to happen. Like if you're planting apple tree, apple seeds, you're going to reap an apple tree. But if you're, you know, that's the reality, even farming, it's what you plant is what you sow. What you plant in the spirit is what you're going to sow. If you're moving from your heart, which is super wicked and you just want what you want, you're going to reap that. You're going to, you're going to get what you want. And what you want is actually not what you want. And it's not going to be good fruit. It's not because it's actually from a wicked place. It's from a a sick place. Yeah. But I just love that God has, but we have hope at the, (laughs) we're not stopping here, but we want to kind of dive in a little bit deeper here. We don't want to move too quickly through this scripture. But even as you were sharing this, I was thinking about story, my own life, but also many people's stories and just life in general and how where we are is because of this very scripture in our lives. So you may be in a season that you're really upset about um, and you look back in your history and you think, well, if this wouldn't have happened, if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have been where I am. But ultimately where we are is direct fruit from what God has planned, but also what we've been a part of too. And there's a bit of all of that in there. So I think it's not so much where we are today, but how we've gotten there that we struggle with the most. Right, right. So, so like you're challenging, if I hear what you're saying, like you're kind of challenging us to take a look at where we are, recognize that we are where 
God has us for a reason, but that how we've gotten here sometimes is as a result of God giving us over to uh, the fruit of our ways. That's right. what we have sort of brought about or chosen or, you know, it's interesting to think about too, because, you know, again, it we want to be careful not to place too much respect. Ah, too much responsibility mm-hmm. on one's shoulder for even just the difficulties of life. Because mm-hmm. there's so many factors mm-hmm. that that play into the challenges and the difficulties of life. The end result ultimately is that God, no matter what we've been through, no matter whether it's as a result of the fruit of our own choices, um, whether God's just given us over to what we've wanted, or whether it is things that have happened to us, or whether it is at the enemy, um, you know, intervening in our life and bringing about, you know, difficulty, regardless of how all of those things have kind of come to play in our life. I believe with all my heart that the Lord wants us to stand today in the present, in whatever situation we're in, redeemed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the fullness of his redemption, in the fullness of walking that that we're here for a reason, that he has a purpose for us, that he wants to redeem the very place that we are as he moves us forward into the future. But the reality is that like, unless we look back and own how and where we are eating the fruit of our ways, Mm -hmm. I think we'll never actually get to the full healing and the full redemption of where God wants us in the present right? I think we have to look back and we have to say, okay, I took this turn or I didn't even take it. It happened to me. I lost my job. I, you know, had a career change unexpectedly and I found myself in this place. But how did I respond to that situation? What fruit am I eating from how I chose to walk that out? And if we don't look back and own that, if we don't look back and recognize that, I don't think we can fully, he can fully bring healing to every aspect of why we find ourselves where we are today. That's exactly because where we are today, life is full of, of curves. Oh my goodness. Can't like we've gone through, Jay's gone through cancer. Did that mean we had done something bad? No, life happens totally life happens we live in a world that's broken our bodies are broken it happens okay and we're not talking about we're talking about adult decisions here we're talking about when we're looking at our lives but cancer is a really good example because in that moment both you and jay had to decide yes how yes exactly you were going to walk through that right? That's right. It wasn't like, Oh, God doesn't love me. Why would God let something bad happen to us? We we're kind of like, okay, God, this is, this is a trial, but we're going to consider it joy. It's going to be tough. And it was, but we're going to lean on you. We're going to lean on our church community. We're going to lean on you. You're going to see us through. And he did. And we've, but we're saying like, we're not talking about you do good. Good things only happen. You do bad. Only bad things happen. No, really great things can happen to bad people from the outside. Oh yeah. Like, and really bad things can happen to really good people from the outside. We're talking about the inside. We're talking about from the heart. We're not talking about external things. Just you see, we're talking about the heart stuff here. So we want to be very careful. We're not preaching a message of name it and claim it. Or if you do this, this only good is going to happen. No, Jesus already told us, look at Jesus life. I mean, we're not Jesus. Perfect. He he's Jesus, but I'm saying like he warned his disciples like he did it perfectly. Perfectly and hardship's going to come. He warned. He said, "I'm telling you these things because hardship was going to come." He said, "In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome." But the thing is, 
we have to look back and realize that we have a part to play. We have a part to play 100% and God has takes, he always fulfills his part always, but we have a part to play in the ownership of how we walk through things and how we actually allow our heart to be a part of that process. Are we allowing our heart to lead and guide us or are we allowing our heart to be submitted to God to actually walk through a process? And so where we find ourselves, we have to look back, like you've said, Laura, and take ownership to say, am I where I am today? Because first off, it's maybe, I'm, my Jay says this all the time, be careful what you wish for. Because sometimes you say things out loud, I, oh, I wish I had, a, just say, for example, I wish I had a better job. I wish I made more money. I wish I blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that's what we're saying. I'm no, saying, for yeah. example, and all of a sudden something happens and you're like, I never wanted a new job. I actually was happy. Well, you've been saying I want a new job. I, and it's been in your heart and you've been honestly fostering that and speaking, speaking that, that out. Yeah. And I'm not saying that happens with every single thing, but when you sometimes look back and you see the consequences, you have to like take a moment to reflect and be like, where have I been a part of becoming bitter, becoming cynical, feeling like I'm entitled, feeling like something was owed to me? Where did that mm-hmm. come in? This was unjust. This never That's should right. have happened. That's right. Yeah. You know, like 80% of life you will have a part of. There will be that 20, 25% uncontrollable, really job lot. Like we're saying that you really, it happened. It just happened. It's almost though, not the point. The things that happen to us that are outside of our control, almost those things are, it's not the point whose fault, what happened to you, but we're talking now about the how we're walking out what has happened to us. So like, you know, I've seen super painful, painful, painful situations where people are going through divorce, where one person in the marriage just said, I don't love you anymore. Like I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And you know, so then, so then you go back and you go, well, is it my fault? What did I do? That's actually not, that's actually not the point. If you find yourself in a situation where somebody's walked away from a marriage, now the responsibility part comes in is how am I going to respond to that? What am I going to do now? How am I going to think about this? Am I going to trust my heart and my feelings? Am I going to pour venom and hatred for the unjust way that I've been treated? And you know what? I mean, if you ask a girlfriend, she's probably going to be like, yeah, he deserves it, whatever, right? Of course, of course. But again, then what God is saying is, I'm going to give you over to, like, I will then give you over to your ways, to what you want. Mm -hmm. And as we bring, invite that in, in the how, again, it's not about if it's fair. It's never fair. It's never fair. Like what we go through, it's not fair, but that's not the point. The point is, what are we going to do with our situation? How are we going to walk it out? And so I know like, you know, we've been reflecting on our own lives, And we've been reflecting on even friends and different people we've walked with to say like, okay, these things have happened. This has just been part of what's happened. But how we've chosen to respond to that has meant like very similar to the children of Israel, you know, how they chose to respond to to God setting them free, but bringing them into the wilderness and how they chose to respond to a wilderness season cost them 40 years. Mm -hmm. It cost them 40 years before they got to the promised land. It didn't have to. 
but they kept going back. They kept going back to old ways. They kept complaining. They didn't trust in God. So God turned them over to their ways. Mm -hmm. God continually said, okay, well, if that's what you want, then I'm going to give that to you. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's so true because right? we actually struggle the most with how things unfold. Yes. We really do. Yes. So if you would actually sit, think about the things that have been the most troubling for you relationally, whatever it may be, it's how things have happened. And that is where God is like, I need that. That's what I need. Because had the children of Israel fully surrendered and trusted God, they would have made it, I think it was in under two weeks. Yeah, I think it was like a two-week journey or something like to that. To a land that God already had promised for them. But when we go through a difficult time, and then all of a sudden we're faced with a wilderness season, that is the greatest testing ground. Because when we, this is exactly. Test. Test the mind. That's right. Search the heart. That's test right. the mind. Yeah. Because then we have to really like practice and really get digging deep and decide what am I going to do with this? How am I going to walk this out? I don't like how this has happened. I'm struggling with the how, but what am I going to do? And because of like, we're going back to the children of Israel, because they didn't actually work on the how and surrender to God 40 years. And they never got to see the promised land. God chose a select few to be able to go like a few because they were the whole lot of them had become grumbling, complaining, and just, a terrible community to work with. Poor Moses. We were just saying, man, Moses had his work cut out for him. But really, that 40 years would have taken under probably two weeks Yeah. to a land that God had already promised. Right. And because of that, God said, you're not even going to see it. You're right. not even going to see it. And they just complained. And what a bitter, terrible time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's so, so true. I know if I reflect back, like just on my own life into a couple of different situations, I can see situations where things have happened that have been unjust and I've responded in a way of wanting or looking for justice. You know, like I wanted something or someone to right that wrong. And even in the midst of trying, even in the midst of the the effort to try to right the wrong, I've taken on things that weren't mine to take on. I've taken up offense. I've taken up bitterness. I've taken up unforgiveness. I've taken up even, even revenge, revenge thoughts, not so much revenge actions, but revenge thoughts of trying to, trying to make this right. Like, and I realize that as I, as I do those things, as I entertain those things, as I give into the feeling, because that's all in my heart, that's feeling, that's how I feel about the situation as I give into that. And as God gives me over to that, all that begins to happen is that very offense, that very injustice gets bigger and bigger and bigger and takes up more and more and more space in my heart, in my life, and actually distracts me from anything good that God wants to do. It's like good things can happen at the same time, but they pale in comparison to this very, very big thing that's taking up all this space in my heart and my life. And even as the Lord in his grace gives me over to my ways, I I sit in this in this grossness, in this venom. And I just, I just sit there and I stew in that. Whereas I can think of other situations where maybe something, you know, somebody has accused me of something that was untrue or said something wrong. And I, I have been able to lay that down, 
like, like just in brokenness, in absolute utter need of God, lay that down. And the result of that response, the result of my recognition of my utter need of God in that pain, in that brokenness, actually results in becoming more like Jesus, mm. actually results in praying for the people who have you know, said those things or accused me of those things. It results in desiring for good for them. It it results in uh, more humility. It actually results in learning from the situation to um, for God to do something good, to make something good out of the very evil that had happened or what the enemy meant for evil. God turns around and makes it into good. And I've witnessed that side too. I've witnessed like God win in the midst of Mm -hmm. great injustice and Mm -hmm. great brokenness. I've witnessed God win. And again, if God's going to give me over to my ways, well, I would way rather choose that as the way. That's the way better way to walk out that kind of pain, right? So I've experienced both sides of this as I've walked out different things. And the interesting thing is when... I have chosen to lay down that pain or that brokenness or that injustice, truly lay it down, like truly surrender it. When I've chosen to do that, I've been able to get through the situation so much faster than when I choose to hold on to the offense. When I choose to hold on to the offense, it lasted for years, Mm. years. I just nursed that for years. Mm -hmm. Like, Ew. When I look back at that, ew. Now I understand what I'm saying is very hard. And sometimes the gravity of the offense sometimes makes it even harder for us to do, but it doesn't change what God teaches us in his word of how we're to respond and the result of that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change even no matter what the gravity of the offense is. But I get that it is sometimes the process of healing just takes a bit longer. So I'm not talking about a time frame, but I am just, do you know what I'm saying in that? You're talking about a process though. You're talking about a healing, like a road of healing, a road of surrender. Yeah. Now, what would you say to someone that perhaps is listening to you today and is saying, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to surrender. When you say surrender it, lay it down. What does that mean? So what would you tell them to do? What does that practically look like for somebody? Um... I think it is to genuinely take whatever has happened. And sometimes I like to, um, sometimes I like to actually visualize myself laying, laying down, whether it's those words, whether it's whatever has happened, whatever, you know, I've been accused of or whatever I've been criticized about or, and lay those words down. Um, you know, sometimes I can't do it on my own. Sometimes I need to bring somebody else in to pray with me, to pray for me. Sometimes I'm not um, able even just to process it alone. I need, I need community. I need the support of the togetherness of fighting against what is trying to work against me. Um, and writing and journaling also is another part, but I think really, really practically, um, when I'm in a posture of being able to humble myself in the midst of even if I'm the one that's been wronged, I I have to take a look at the situation and ask God exactly what the scripture is saying. Lord, search my heart, test my mind, and show me my own sin in the midst of it. Because even if something is being done to me, I know that just because I'm human, I am a participant with sin 
and I have flesh too. So God, would you reveal to me my flesh? Would you reveal to me the brokenness of my heart? Would you reveal to me the ungodly ways within me, even within this situation, even with in how I'm thinking about this, how I'm responding? And that confession and that repentance are so important in the surrender process. Mm. And then God just does his thing. He does his thing, right? Again, he's going to give us over to our ways. So if our ways are his ways, then we get all the life and we get the healing and the freedom that comes from his ways. But if it's our ways, then he gives us over to that too. And that just means that it's a longer, harder struggle that we take on for however long, (laughs) however long we choose. So eventually we get here every time. Eventually it comes to surrender. Eventually it comes to humility. Eventually it comes to laying it down, forgiveness, repentance, confession. And, but that's, that's the process. That is, that was so well articulated. And the thing is, it never ends. Sometimes you can look at people and think, oh, well, they probably don't struggle at all. And it's like, no, it's the prayer becomes, bring me to the end of myself fast, like quicker and quicker and quicker. So that process can be surrendered faster and faster, but it doesn't end because like we've said, our hearts are deceitful. We all have that wicked heart. None of us can fix that. It's a constant, constant place of surrender. Just as we surrender more and we see the fruitfulness of surrender, we ask God to continually help us to do that faster and to more willingly to do it. And we still stumble and we still have those moments where things just attach that we, and that's why the daily, like you're saying, Lord, like that daily plate, like just coming, laying it down, that constant praying, asking the Holy Spirit, that is something that has to happen on a constant basis for us to be able to know and to see what God wants and is doing. I know for myself, I totally identify with what you shared as well. And on another side too, I've also struggled with things not happening the way I wanted them to happen. Big dreams that I thought, you know what, this is what I feel God's calling me to do. And it never turned out that way in my own heart, what my vision were, my dream was, what I thought it, my life should kind of pan out. In my own mind, it never turned out that way. And I had to struggle. And I struggled. You would know this personally, walking with me for years, years and years, wrestling out my calling, what that looked like, the picture I had, what I actually felt like I would be doing and having to constantly lay that down. And did it end up happening the way I wanted it to? Like if you would have asked me my 20-year-old self what I thought my life would look like? No, not even. But am I where I am supposed to be and completely satisfied, completely content and firm in where God has called me to be? Absolutely. Would I change it? Not at all. God knew. But I took many years. I wasted many years. Now, is it wasted? No, nothing is a waste to God. God uses all things and redeems all things. But I was definitely in that wilderness for many years walking around and really did. God's redeemed the years, but I, those years were lost in a lot of confusion, a lot of just feeling a lot of pride, idolatry, a lot of humility. I needed big doses of humility and a real heart of servanthood that needed to be birthed to me. But I wanted my way, my plans, my, my, whatever, my, my, my. And so God had to break that and it went through really difficult seasons to get that out of me. But I was eating a lot of fruit that was not healthy. And God took me through a season where I think he just showed me what I was actually eating and had to do a whole health check, a complete restart. 
and a complete vision change of what my life really was. And that's where the scripture really came alive in me. Like my life is no longer my own. You know, I've been bought with a price, but I was living my own life, not realizing I was. And so we need the Holy Spirit. And even as we're seeking the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about time frames. Certain things have to be processed out of us. And if you would have asked me at that time, I love the Lord. I was seeking God. I was praying. But there were deep things inside of me that I wasn't willing to surrender to. And if I look back, that's my ownership. It was idolatry. And what idolatry was, I loved myself. I wanted myself to be a certain way. I wanted my own image. I wanted my life to be the way I wanted my life to be, not a life surrendered. And I have to own that, that those years of wandering in my calling and wrestling, really, I have to own that. And so when I look at that, I'm reminded of what my heart can do and the years that I can waste and actually amazing opportunities I can waste or not maximize because I'm caught in what I feel I need to do and what my life I'm entitled to because of what, whether it's a gifting or a skill set or what you envision God has asked you to do or what you even envision. I'm not entitled to that actually. What I'm given is life and that in itself is the gift and how that is on how that unfolds is where we be. We need to be completely reliant, but I have walked what you've walked in and continue to having to maneuver through those things. I've also walked in a place where I have been given over and I've seen a wastefulness happen, a barrenness happen on the outside. You would never have known, but on the inside, there was such a barrenness in the call and in my purpose and what I felt my life significance of my life was. And if you would have taken my life now and my life and given me, just say, for example, given me my life now or given me all the things I thought at 20 year old, I, I wanted that life at this place now in my life, all those things that my 20 year old self would wanted, I never would want now. God has really transformed my heart. But you know what? That took a hard journey. So for any of you listening, like you may be struggling thinking, I have all these dreams. I have all these things. And my heart is so disappointed. Or I just feel like I just, you know, nothing is working out. I'm so frustrated. I'm just so discouraged. You have to be able to lay that down to God and say, God, is this really the life you want for me? And if it's not, I'm just laying this down now because you know what? It's may not be the life that God has for you. And you are going to go around a wilderness season. Those things are not yours. None of this is yours. None of it. So lay down the idol of self. Lay down the idol of what you think you want and allow God to raise in you a humility and a servant's heart to serve him first and let the overflow be the fruitfulness. You can trust. Like what we're saying is you can't trust your own vision. You can't trust your own heart and mission without like you can't trust that it has to come through the hand of God and if it's of God it'll happen if it's not of God he will he will make it die but raise something new you can trust that but you've got to be willing to let it go through the hands of God 
That was really powerful. Yeah, yeah. That's a really powerful realization because again, even in all that wrestling, and like Mm -hmm. you said, you loved God and you were serving God and you were even in ministry as you were going through that process. But there was a part of your life that was unsurrendered. And there was a part of your life where God had given you over. He'd given you over to your ways. And in that you, there was so much turmoil inside of you for years and years and years that you wrestled with where all God was saying to you, this is not your identity. This is not who Mm -hmm. I've called you to be. If you lay that down, Mm -hmm. I will do with your life exactly what I need to do with your life. And here you stand and you say, oh my goodness, I realize now, like I never, what I thought I wanted, I is not at all what God had for me, nor would I want now that I know what God has for me. That's beautiful but powerful and I think so many of us can identify with walking with those frustrations and not knowing how to not knowing how to work that out not knowing how to lay that down but it really is a dying to self a dying to selfish desires a dying even to a vision and we have to know that we know that we know that God has called us to do what God has called us to do. We have to know that it's from God. Now, you had a call from God as a young girl, but then you put a picture to what you thought that would look like. God said, this is what I've called you. This is who I've called you to be. This is what I've called you to do. But then you put a picture on what you thought that was going to look like and had to die to that picture. But how many of us do that? God says, he kind of, he kind of calls us out of obscurity and he pulls us and he says, I have a plan and a purpose for you. And sometimes he reveals a part of that, but then we decide, oh, this means I'm going to be. And again, Oh, our humanness. We want the glory. We do. In our humanness, that's what it, like, it comes down to that. Like our pride, we want the glory. We want to be seen and significant. And, oh man, this whole journey is like laying that down to say, no, Lord, like, no, Lord, all glory be to you. Like this is, there's nothing of myself that I can do apart from you. Mm-hmm. This is all you only use my life for what you want it for, because I have nothing to offer anyways. Mm-hmm. I have nothing. It's all vanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all meaningless. All the things I could do yeah. in my own strength are meaningless. I can't transform a life. Yeah. I can't change a heart. Only you can do that, but you can actually use me to do that. But it's you right? So it's all, oh my goodness, that's really, really profound. Mm -hmm. That's a profound part of the journey. Okay, here's a little question I have for you. So, you know, what would you say to somebody who might be living, they're in their, in the situation that they are, they're where they are, but, you know, some of the how of the things that have happened to them, they can't seem to reconcile. And so they are in a bit of a wilderness. They're still in a bit of the wilderness of, or maybe even the deception of like, until this happens, it has to go this way. Or, you know, they kind of keep going around the mountain again and again and again. What would you say to somebody in that place that's still in that frustration um, to just encourage them or to help them or to inspire them to walk out what we're talking about. Well, I would just say that first and foremost, like we've been saying, God owns us. Like when we give our lives to Christ 
And that is working out our salvation. It's working out that we are poor in spirit. Like we are his, we're bought with a price. And so how do we surrender? Is that the biggest question here? Like how do we actually walk this out? You know, there's a scripture when you were just asking me that question, I couldn't help but think of Hebrews and it's Hebrews 11. And it's about all those that did exploits in faith. It's actually a really challenging chapter, chapter 11 to read because it talks about great examples of faith and it's got some magnificent stories in it, like by faith, Joseph, by faith, Moses, by faith, Jacob. And it's telling these incredible, incredible stories about shouting, shutting the mouths of lions, quenching the flames of fire, you know, escaping death by the edge of the sword, like all these incredible things. And then it goes on to say, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. And then it continues to go through all, some died by stoning, some were killed by the sword, but all. So at the end of this entire chapter, it talks about all of these exploits that people did, but, and then it says, but in the same great examples of faith, it talks about people being persecuted, killed, taken out by lions, sawed in two, like horrendous torturing. And then it says at the end of the chapter, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised for God had something better in mind for us so that they, they would not reach perfection without like without their faith, without God. So this is saying that no matter what our journeys are, all of us want to be on that front end of the chapter. I'll be honest. I would love to be on the front end. <laughs> Being saved from the famine <laughs> and yeah, all these miracles. <laughs> but I love that it says, but, yeah, but, right, but, right. We have no idea our journeys. Right. And that's the thing. When we are resolved to say, God, I'm going to follow you. It's not with any strings attached. And that's the hardest thing. We struggle with the how we struggle because we have strings attached. God, I'm going to follow you. If God, I'm going to be, I'm going to forgive that person. If I'm going to do if there's strings attached, there's control attached, there's pride attached. The thing that God is challenging to us is to say, your life is not your own. Are you okay with the journey? And if you're okay, if you're going to say yes to me, then this is going to be the journey. It's going to be what I planned for you. It may not be the journey you want. It may not even be a journey you planned. We have a close friend that died in his early forties. That was not the plan. He started out at 20 years old, 25 saying, I'm going to live for God and then and went through a very long journey with cancer. That's not the plan he had, but God is working out a plan. Does that say that God just causes bad things to happen? No, but we live, this is not our world. It says, but all these people had something, God had something better in mind. This is not our home. This is not our forever. We are made for eternal. So the thing is, Lori, I think coming back to it, the thing that we need to work out is, are we willing to live for Christ no matter what it looks like? If my journey means there is struggle in it, in the outside part of it, does it mean I have to be in a struggle in the inside? I can be full of joy, full of faith, full of peace, because I know that the God that breathed his life into me when I was created in my mother's womb will be the one that will take my hand into the next chapter of eternity. We have to trust that God's ways are perfect and just, but it can't be based on what we see here. So we have to bring our hearts into surrender and not base our heart's posture on what we see, 
what we experience and what we see unfolding and have control of. Because if that is the case, we will do exactly what Jeremiah said. We will be led astray and we are going to reap terrible fruit because it comes from a posture of heart of surrender. Yeah. And so if you are struggling, read Hebrews 11. Yeah. No, it's so good. It's so good. And you know, what's crazy is that I really believe with all my heart that it's not our fault that we fall into deception, but it is our responsibility to walk out of it. It's not our fault that we're deceived. We don't know we're deceived when we're deceived. Like when we invite what this kind of fruit the fruit that we're talking about the fruit of you know frustration the fruit of anger the fruit of bitterness the fruit of my life is not what it was supposed to be this was not this is not what i signed up for this marriage is not what i signed up for when we reap the fruit of that we're deceived in that place it's not our fault that we actually think that we're doing it right it, we're deceived in that place but it is our responsibility it's our responsibility to lay all of those motives down before the lord and ask him to purify our heart, ask him to test our mind and search the motives of our heart, the true motives of our heart and our emotions, and then to listen. All of it comes down to trust. All of it comes down to trust. Mm -hmm. Can you trust God with where you are right now? Mm -hmm. Can you trust him even though where you are right now might not be exactly where you want to be or Mm -hmm. you imagined yourself to be? Can you trust that God can work a a redemptive plan in your story right now in your circumstance? And I love that you brought up that Hebrews 11 scripture because right in there, all of these grand men and women of faith, all of the greats, I mean, the greatest of the greats are listed and their stories. But then it says they didn't receive the fullness of what was promised. And so again, we have to reconcile that we actually aren't going to receive the fullness of the promise in this life. That's not actually what we've signed up for. That's right. We are walking in promise. We're walking to what is to come, but we're not going to actually receive the entire fulfillment of what has been promised to us in this life Mm -hmm. to come. And Mm -hmm. are we okay with it? Can you say, I will trust God anyways. I will still trust God. I will still lay down my life. Can we be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Mm -hmm. say, I know I'm resolved that God is going to work on my behalf. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, I will not bow. I will not bow to what is not from him. to what is not from God, right? So I think that's the place that every single one of us has to come to in our present story. Yes, this is about going back and reflecting on the how we've got here, but it's more about where we are right now. And can we reconcile that? Can we say, God, I trust you today that you are working what was meant for evil for my Mm -hmm. good, for Mm -hmm. your glory, even though I'm not going to receive, even though I know I'm not going to receive the fullness of all that's promised to me, but I'm being prepared for the life to come. This is all part of my preparation for the life to come. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful and powerful perspective on our current story, on our current circumstance. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. I just say, amen. Amen. God help us. Yeah. Help us. I love how you even said about the heart. That's beautiful. We can't, 
we are not, it's not our fault that we're deceived. We actually were born into sin. We we're, don't know we, we are. We don't know. We never know we're deceived. But it's our responsibility to lay it before the Lord yeah. and to allow the Holy yeah. Spirit to do that deep work. But we have to read the word of God like a mirror. Yes. Like we have to let yes. the word of God read us like yeah. a mirror, like yeah. a reflection of like, am I walking in the fullness of this? Am I experiencing what God said that I should be experiencing as one who is covered by Jesus, as a believer, am I walking in this? And if we're not, then there's somewhere where we're walking in deception and we need God to bring that revelation. And he can, and he will. Mm -hmm. He totally, totally will. Right before this verse, there's a promise. There's a beautiful, beautiful promise. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh. Do you want to, oh, you don't have it open. I can read it. The I love it. And, and, and again, it does come down to trust. We were just talking about mm -hmm. trust, mm -hmm. but it literally says, this is the promise for us that comes right before this warning it says blessed is the man who trusts in the lord whose trust is in the lord i love it i love mm -hmm. it it says it twice who trusts in the lord and whose trust is in the lord there's two different positions god is calling us to blessed is that man he's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. So there's a guarantee the heat's coming. Yes. We love the heat. You and I can take the heat. <laughs> we love the oh, heat. We love it. Does not fear when the heat comes for its leaves remain green and it's not anxious in the year of mm, drought wow. for it does not cease to bear fruit. There's the fruit again. This is the promise, but we must trust. We must trust the Lord right now in our present story fully no matter how unresolved that story is mm -hmm. we've got to trust put our all of our trust that god is working something for good mm -hmm. so we just speak that over you today that you would as you spend your time with the lord today as you lay your frustrations your circumstances what you may find yourself your season in right now and just actually just bringing your heart before the lord and saying god show me where i'm deceived as you lay all of this before the lord today May what come from that time are just a new and renewed sense of hope as you trust in the Lord, as you posture your heart in trusting in him and receive the blessing that comes with that. It's actually a promise for you that you can be, you will be blessed as you trust in him. He will bear fruit in your life. That will be good. It will be good. You can trust in his working power and may your roots go deep into the water of God. May you be able to be satisfied in your spirit by his presence by his peace, by the refreshment that can only come from him, not by work, not by materialism, not by more money in the bank. It comes from the refreshment of his presence. It comes from him. None of those things satisfy. So we just speak that over your life, a refreshment, a just a really rooting into the word of God, a deeper rooting in and a deeper trust in God as you trust in him, not in your heart. So this is a big thing. Lay your, lay everything down and may you be just renewed in your trust in God and may he align you to what he sees. I love too how it seems like the Lord in just this last season has sort of turned our perspective, you know, because for this entire year and for this entire season on the podcast, you know, we've been speaking over you. God mm -hmm. has complete confidence and you were crowned as a son and daughter of the king. But it's almost as though now even prophetically, there's been a bit of a switch where it isn't it, that's that's our position in Christ. That's how he sees us. But actually how we 
how we walk in that position is by putting Christ in that posture in our own lives. Mm -hmm. It's that bit of a twist and a bit of a turn. We can only walk this out, what we're talking about today. We can only walk in the trust of the Lord if we actually put our full confidence in him, if we put our full trust in him, that is what we are to do. That's our part. That's our, and like you keep saying, Rhonda, as we make him king, as we crown him as the king of our life and make him Lord of our life, that's how all of these things fall into the rightful order. So I just love how even God has, I think, led us, but also as we're leading others on a journey of like, now it's not just about what God is speaking over us, but it is about our posture towards him that is actually going to make us able to walk in the fullness of all of this. So I say that just to say, Put your full trust and confidence in the Lord. And crown him as your king of all. God bless you today. Bye. Ooh, that was that was that was really good. Awesome, right? Lord. Yeah. Woo! We just popped out three. Bada boom, bada bang. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review. You can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast, and you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitzboucher and Rhonda.Corto. We'd love to connect with you. But we focus on the five thinking we're part of that 5%, but actually, no, you're not. No, well, also, if you're an adult, like if you're an adult, right, then like you have a big part to play. I think if you're a child, you know, like no, if there's yeah, like, right, yeah. but no, no, but you know what I mean? Like if you're, I yeah. don't know, I agree. I totally So agree. in life, like I would say even 90% yeah. would be your part of the process. 10% things will happen. Oh, things and things do happen. And, and like you get a diagnosis, happen. you know, like you get a diagnosis, you didn't yeah. do anything. So maybe you less get things, 10, no, 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 things happen. But I'm just yeah. saying like relationally, if it's relational, it's probably something that God needs to work out in you too. That's right. Yeah. Big time. But it's able, it's usually the hardest is when after something happens and things are either not resolved or you feel like things didn't work out after. Yeah. Like if you were let go from a job and all of a sudden you didn't have a job you loved or you went through financial hardship or there's a wilderness or yeah, wilderness and you blame. Yeah. But actually God is bringing you somewhere. Yeah. But we don't want to admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not the journey we would pick. Right, but the right. Jews never, the Israel never picked the the desert either. No, <laughs> it was picked for no. them. But but they ended up there for forty years because of their, <laughs> because of them. Yeah, they could have gotten there really fast. What did they say? It was like a four day journey or something, so, or like a, yeah, twelve twelve days or something, or fourteen yeah. days. Yeah, like it wasn't long. Like it was no. like a two week journey or something. <laughs> like they, and the promised land. Like God yeah. had already promised this was theirs. It was already theirs, but they took forever to get there because of right. their stinking grumbling, and complaining. Even made Moses crazy. Poor Moses. That would suck. Like we look at Moses, I think God gave him so many awesome experiences because he had a sucky like forty years. Oh. We see all the highlights. Okay, pretty spectacular, but it held him for forty years. Because oh he would I would have been like, I'm done. I hate you guys. I, I am walking by myself now. I'm leaving yeah, you. Totally. Oh, totally, totally. Oh. Anyways, I've just been really thinking about that. So many stories, or even my own self you know, where I am in my life. I'm so grateful. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. 
And I just think, but some of the stuff I've made really hard because of how I've come, but God has been faithful to lead me. Mm. He's been so faithful to lead me, but we can make roads really hard for mm. ourselves because mm-hmm. of our heart. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs>